Hey, before we begin today's show, for all the business owners out there, we all know that HR issues can kill you because of wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, and labor regulations. And HR manager salaries aren't cheap. They make an average of 70000 a year. But Bambi, that's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. That's BAM to the B-E-E. They'll get you a dedicated HR manager, can craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. And that's a dedicated HR manager that is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. From onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, all for just $99 a month. Month-to-month, it's it's the deal, no hidden fees, and you can cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash hoop right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash hoop, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash hoop. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. It's trade deadline day. I'm in Los Angeles with our, it's our annual tradition now, Rachel. I love it. Um, Rachel Nichols, we just did the um, three hour jump special for the trade deadline. This is the glamorous life that uh, we live here, especially Rachel. Rachel, um, this morning, got up in her house and prepared to go to work on national television in the dark. <laughs> not not metaphorically or emotionally in the dark, actually. Well, let's talk about that off the air. In the dark. Um, <laughs> then she did a three-hour television show. Which my my didn't, house didn't have power. I think you need to clarify. We got right. our power knocked out. High winds here yeah. in Los Angeles. Got the power knocked out. And then, yes, trade deadline show. Three hours. No bathroom breaks. We couldn't drink the water that we had on set because Rachel shot off so much confetti. That was my fault. That the confetti infiltrated all the water. Then we came immediately over here to do this podcast. And I want you to know Rachel's lunch is instant noodles from the vending machine. I mean, they're good noodles. I'm also, I've cracked open a Coke Zero because the Diet Coke part of the vending machine didn't work. Didn't work. And frankly, you did not bring me any tequila, Brian, which we're going to have to have a little talk about. I know. So that's the kind of glamorous life we live. Um, but we, it was like, I was so happy today. You just described a set of circumstances. And if you could describe what my face looked like for people. You were. I, I was just over the moon today. I think the thing is, what I like to do is I like to look at your face as you're <laughs> using the trade. Crank. Crank. On the jump. Where you shoot off steam, is it whatever it is. Sure. Cancerous chemicals into our <laughs> air, into our breathing space. And, um, did you get electrocuted this year or not? I did not. All so right. there you Andrew go. It's Hahn, an upgrade. Andrew Hahn is very upset because we're going too slow. He wants us to introduce Kevin Pelton, who's joining us from Seattle. Kevin Pelton is the machine. Today is where the machine machines the, the most because he pumps out the trade grades for every single trade. How many trades did we have today, Kevin Pelton? I, I don't even know the exact number. I lost count at some point, but I, I know that there's almost 10,000 words in my trade deadline file so far. Okay. Um, so we had a couple of big trades yesterday. Um, so why don't we start there? Uh, the trades leading actually up into today, the, the 12-player trade and then the uh, the Miami-Memphis uh, trade. Um, where you, before Rachel and I talk about that, where were you at on that? 
Well, for the uh, the four team trade, I thought it was solid for everyone. I you know I think some people really liked it for Atlanta more even than I did, but you know I, I thought it made sense for everyone, especially in the wake of some of the moves that these teams made afterwards, Minnesota and Denver specifically. But you know not a not a home run necessarily for anyone. Uh, Atlanta, Memphis, by contrast, though, I thought was a pretty clear home run for the Heat to be able to add you know two guys who can be at least two guys who can be playoff contributors in Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder plus Solomon Hill. Get off the James Johnson and Deion Waiters contracts, which everyone in the league knew that they, you know, wanted to do because of the fact that those guys had been in the doghouse this season, and do all that without having to give up any draft compensation because they didn't have really any to give up. I, and I think your that grade, was, uh, your grade for the really Grizzlies on that trade was. It was a D. Uh, the, the, wow. the people were trying to talk, talk me into going lower than that. <gasps> I, I don't know if it's a fail, but. You know, when you look at a trade that's multiplayer, you kind of break it down. So they're trading, they're trading Justice Winslow for Andre Iguodala, right? That's kind of the heart of the trade. So Winslow has years left on his contract. Iguodala is a bit of a rental. Now they extended him, but that's not relevant to the to the Grizzlies. What they do with him after they trade him is up to the Heat. So that's a pretty high price for a rental player. So I could understand why, in in fact, that the Grizzlies would actually want more than just a second-round pick or something. So Justice Winslow does that. Mm-hmm. Justice Winslow pays. But for the Grizzlies to take on – I'm sorry, to, to be clear. Winslow is a little bit better than a rental player. So, and he fits their I have some, and all Yeah. That so, but, but they gave Jay Crowder and took the two, as you were mentioning, and took $28 million off their books. In my mind, they have to be compensated for both of those things. They should have been compensated for Jay Crowder. I think he's worth at least a second round pick. And to take twenty eight million, what do you think the going rate for twenty eight million is, Rachel? It's at least a first round pick. But isn't there an element I'm I'm asking you guys, I don't know this. Is this just hey Memphis made a bad deal, or is what you guys think they could get for those players not what they actually could get for those players? Well, I would say that if to take those twenty eight million dollars off the Heat's books, I would assume that you would have needed in the vacuum, Kevin, tell me if you think I'm wrong, a first and a second. If you were just making a trade to take that money, a first and a second, at the very minimum, a first. You had to think more people, too, were calling them for Andre, Andre Godala than just the Miami Heat. The, the market has just you know, felt, well, felt very hot for him the last the couple The interesting of days. thing is David Aldridge, two days ago, reports that Andre Godala will sit out the season if he doesn't go to a place he wants to go. That was a strategic reason. Sure. Was it because he didn't want to go to Miami or was it because he didn't want to go somewhere else? Or was it because he didn't want to go to Miami without a trade, without, without a contract compensation? Extension? Well, we know. We saw Andre Iguodala. The whole reason Andre Iguodala has this giant contract for who he is at this stage of his career and had to be taken off the books in Golden State was that the maneuvering he did prior to getting that That's contract. Right. Remember the meetings or the meetings that maybe almost happened in Sacramento and yes. Phoenix? And- he, he said he was interested in playing for the Spurs because they were near the tech hub of Austin. <laughs> That's what he said. I thought that was a good So one. obviously he takes his own fate into his own hands. I, I, I think that this is such a great time of year and day to talk about front offices because, look, they don't make the highlight tapes, right? Um, Kevin, when you evaluate what these guys do, it's not the same as breaking down video. But just like with players, there are elite front offices. There are good all-star front offices that are still good. But they're not elite, right? Not every player is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Not so, every player so is Kevin, LeBron. Your grade for the Heat on that trade was an A. 
I mean, they were hard capped with $12,000 to spare. Now, I think $12,000 is a lot. I could go buy – I mean, my first car costs much less than that. But $12,000 in the world of the NBA, it's it's like rubbing a pebble against nothing. I mean, you have nothing if you're hard capped at 12000 And they turn – and no, no draft assets. Yeah, so they couldn't – Kevin, tell me if I'm wrong. They could not trade a first-round pick. Unless they took the protection off the pick that they already owed to the Thunder. You can't trade picks in back-to-back years. So over a six-year span, they've already traded two picks of it, but they couldn't trade the third pick um, in that six-year span because they had the other pick that was protected, so it could have rolled over. So am I right in saying that they couldn't even trade a first-round pick unless they made another pick that they already traded unprotected? They couldn't have guaranteed a team a first round pick. Like the team would have had right. to take the the risk that you know if that that uh, 2023 Oklahoma City pick extended far enough into the future, you would get nothing because you know what often happens there is because of that rule. Then they'll say, okay, at the end of it, it becomes a second round pick. But Miami didn't have any of those to trade either. The situation right. Miami woke up in that front office, Andy Ellsberg, Pat Riley, on Monday morning, and what they turned it into. I'm sorry, that is goddamn magic. And we've seen Oklahoma City do the same thing. We've seen the Clippers front office operate at this elite Zach Lowe said Jedi mind trick level. I just think it's a fun day well, I mean, to talk about the few spots around the league where they are at that just super superstar level and watching them work. So. Um you know the heat people. Sometimes some people criticize the Heat for giving Iguodala the extension. Well, hell, if they got a tw- if they got off twenty eight million for next year, why not give Andre Iguodala an extension? I know everyone's saying it's two years. It's actually it's one, one year. Why not? I mean, <laughs> they're still ahead. Absolutely. And they could. They and didn't could, they get in money wise now? Forget hard capped at under just under twelve thousand. Aren't they like a million and a half? Oh, or they something? got under the they got they reduced their their tax bill in yeah. all this. They saved money. Yeah. All right. That's inside machinations. Kevin, let's go to the big trades from today. Now, this one happened about five minutes, maybe even less, after we came on the air. It's amazing. Um, and what did we do to market, Brian? Trade crank. Thank you. Um, Minnesota, Golden State. Kevin, I'm interested. Uh, tell me what your grade is at the end of this, but please tell me your view your viewpoint on this. I'm interested in your trades on this, or your grades on this trade. So I give the Warriors a C on this one. I am kind of indifferent between making this trade and not making it. And Minnesota got That's an A minus. Minnesota what? Minnesota got an A minus. Pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Um, we had some robust discussion on the show about this trade. Yeah, big disagreement. I would say Brian, you were against. Matt Barnes was against. Jackie McMullen was for. Um, I think Ramona was sort of waiting, waiting and seeing, but she saw a way to have to be for it. Well, I'm for it for Minnesota. No, no, I mean for the Warriors. Yeah. I think everybody agreed that, that Minnesota – look, and here's the thing about Minnesota. For me, it's not just what they did. It's not just the asset. You know, f- frankly, Andrew Wiggins in, in Minnesota, we all know it was never going where they had hoped it would go. That ship has sailed. So the fact that they can move on even just sort of karmically and spiritually and not have that be hanging over them is valuable also. And then in addition, the way it helps Carl Anthony Towns is not a small thing. He signed a five-year deal. He's there. And Gerson Rosas is smart in saying for the past two months he's untouchable because why would you give up a young player of that talent? Obviously, you're not getting someone else to walk in the door like that. But if he is unhappy, and gosh, just check his Instagram, he has been very unhappy this week, you are not maximizing that asset. You're an unhappy Carl Anthony Towns. You, you've just watched him on the court. He's playing with no spirit recently. It, it's just not there. So, so if you bring D'Angelo Russell in... 
in addition to what you're getting from D'Angelo Russell, and in addition to the great sort of machinations that they did in terms of the deal they actually made, you are maximizing Carl Anthony Towns in a way you weren't a day ago. So let's peel this apart. Kevin, let's say you had Andrew Wiggins and you wanted to trade him to me. What do you think getting off Andrew Wiggins' contract would require? Yeah, I think, yeah, you, you've discussed this, right? I think it would take probably at least one first, depending on how bad salary I'm taking back. And another asset, like a young player or a, or a draft, a second-round pick, right? Yeah, possibly so. Okay. If you were trading for D'Angelo Russell, let's just put it aside. Let's say it's a separate trade for D'Angelo Russell. What, in your point, what, in your view, is D'Angelo Russell's value? Yeah, I'd be willing to give up a decent first-round pick for D'Angelo Russell. I mean, you know, he's... He's at the max, but it's relatively low because of the fact that, you know, he's still in that zero to six criteria when he hit restricted free agency and not, you know, sometimes we talk about the max as if it's one thing, but of course it's different for different players of experience. And, you know, I think my, my view on Russell is a lot of times people talk about him, they talk about his weaknesses in particular is if he's a finished product. I mean, this guy is not yet 24, even though he's been in the league forever, it feels like. And he took a solid step forward this year in Golden State. So I think there's really more to come for a guy who's already been an all-star. Okay, so let's put that together. You think D'Angelo Russell is worth getting a first-round pick for, and you think that getting off of, of uh, Wiggins is worth giving up a first-round pick for. However... I would say that I would say it would be two picks. So, you know, so when you put that together, the fact that they paid with Andrew Andrew Wiggins and a first and a second, do you, do you think that's adequate compensation? I mean, you gave him a C, so you sort of think it's average compensation. Yeah, I mean, you know, not all first round picks are created equal. I think clearly what Golden State is betting here is that this is not going to work in Minnesota, and because of the fact that this pick is pretty low. That's, that's always an amazing aspect yeah. of these trades, by the way. That when a pick is involved in, in a player, it's sort of like, "Hey, we're going to send you this. Good luck with him. We hope it doesn't work out." Right. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're essentially shorting. <laughs> that's the right. That you're, you're trading, but not away. too short because they didn't take a pick in this year's draft. So, let me ask you this, Kevin. You you are aware of the draft. You follow colleges. I got all these GMs poo-pooing this year's draft. I got the reason that the Warriors didn't want a pick in this draft, the, the 2020 pick, uh, pick from the Wolves, was because they preferred the 2021 draft. But in my mind, the Wolves have the third worst record in the league this year. To me, I'm asking for a top three protected pick this year, and if it doesn't convey, an unprotected pick next year. Um, what did you think about the – and by the way, they haggled over this for days – this was what the haggling was about, was about this, what I'm just talking about right now. And obviously, the Wolves drew a line in the sand, and this is what they got. But what do you think about the way the picks broke down there? Because I know that we're getting into the granular, and, and you know you may not care about it. You're like, well, Andrew Wiggins is over here now, and, and Russell. Russell's over here. But to me, the picks matter. Well, they definitely matter. I mean, they, they 100% matter. It's going to determine a lot of how we end up viewing this trade in hindsight. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if this year's pick is more of a fixed quantity, like maybe Russell goes there, they play better. I also like the fact that they got more shooting between this trade and getting Beasley and Aaron Gomez from the, the Nuggets in the trade they made earlier this week. So I, I think they're going to be a better team going forward, even if they maybe can't stop anyone. But you know what this pick is going to be. Next year's pick is more of an uncertain quality quantity. And then I think the other aspect that comes into play is if you're the Warriors and you're thinking in your light, light years Joe Lake of philosophy, <laughs> you're thinking, that well, phrase is maybe, not retired. In, 
Right. Maybe next year at the trade deadline, I might want to trade for a star who's out there. I can't think of anyone who might be a free agent in the summer of 21, but maybe I'd want to do that. Well, if I have that pick coming in 2021, that's probably going to be easier for me to trade than someone that I've already drafted and is in my roster on, you know, drafted in the 2020 draft and is already on my roster because, you know, the other team gets their choice. So I I wonder if that was an element in the Warriors thinking and and being willing to, to push this to 21 as well. I do think one of the things to remember is that none of this is in a vacuum. So you can sit here in a vacuum and say, hey, I would have, I would have bargained for this or I would get that and, and maybe you would have, but the, the flip side is walking away from the deal, right? That, that's what we're talking about. Obviously, to your point, they've been going back and forth of this for days, right? If he was going to get a better pick out of Minnesota, Bob Myers would have gotten it. It's not like he was like, oh, they would have given it to me, but I just decided not to. So clearly there was a point where Minnesota said, hey, we're as desperate as we all knew they were for D'Angelo Russell, we can see where the rubber met the road because they didn't give up the pick. So clearly, at some point, Gerson Rosas said, hey, this is it. Take it or leave it. And the Warriors' choice was to take this or leave it. It wasn't the other deal that you are talking about. And while I don't know how this is going to work out for them, I'm not stumping for it, I would say that they clearly decided the reason to take it was they had a need at that position, that D'Angelo Russell wasn't at a position they really did have a need. They certainly took a survey of offers on D'Angelo Russell this past, not just weeks, but months. So they knew what they might get for D'Angelo Russell down the road, and it clearly just didn't fit a need the way the Andrew Wiggins plug into that hole fit a need. Mm. And, and and so that's what you're comparing it against. It's not a good free agent class in 2020. So there, there's all these sort of factors. You're not comparing it against the deal that they ideally could have gotten. You're comparing it against what was available from Minnesota. And of course, if it's a bad deal, you walk away. But clearly they thought, well, it's not what we wanted, but it's good enough that it meets these needs. And our other alternative is not get the need at that position, have D'Angelo Russell, and I know what my other offers are for him, and they're not good either. Well, we'll see what happens with the Wiggins. Maybe um, a, long, a while from now I'll be re- reversing my feelings on this. Or, or not. It's just the, you, have to, you have to remember what the choices are as yeah. opposed to I'm what the to ideal choices are. I'm trying to think what I would are. give. I mean, I, I guess a C is okay. I don't know about all of you, but this trade deadline week has been exhausting. So when Andrew Hahn and I needed a pick-me-up, we love to grab a bottle of 5-Hour Energy to help us stay alert and energized. 5-Hour Energy helps you get through your crazy, on-the-go life. With zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient, portable size, it's the perfect pick-me-up for a busy, hard-working person. And now it comes in two extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They are delicious, and they can take you to a tropical, on-the-go experience. Try them both, then go online to shop the number 5HourEnergy.com and use the code HOOP, H-O-O-P, to receive a one-time offer of 10% off your order. That's Shop5HourEnergy.com and use the code HOOP to receive a one-time offer of 10% off. 5-Hour Energy, energy on the go. So we're talking a lot about the trade deadline today, but if you want to get more in-depth trade reaction, you can head over to the low post with our friend Zach Lowe. We'll have on Bobby Marks, the front office insider who is invaluable to us 365 days a year. But boy, is he important to us this week as he analyzes all of the aspects that lead up into after the trade deadline. Also, if you missed Wednesday's ESPN Daily, our episode with our friend Timothy Band McMahon, I suggest you check that out because he did an incredible job telling Mina Kimes about Grizzlies guard John Morant and his rise to stardom. If you're interested in either of these, remember, you can check out The Low Post or the ESPN Daily right here or wherever you get your podcasts. The real deal that I think 
would have impacted the actual title race was the Clippers trading for Marcus Morris. This was something that um, they were tracking for a while. I mean, when I was out here two weeks ago, the Knicks were here and the Clippers were – Oh, yeah. They were giving him, they were giving him the Kawhi treatment, coming to all the games <laughs> – Watching every step. <laughs> They're only allowed to do that in a moderate way now, so they had to be careful. They were very closely watching him, and they they were in, they offered him a contract last summer, which it didn't work out because people things went different directions. Kevin, um, your grades on this trade with the Knicks uh, moving away, um, basically a rental player that they had because um, I suppose he could have stayed, but very likely not on a one year deal. Um, where they get Mo Harkless and a first round pick and a couple of their young players out of this. What were your grades on this one? So I'm still pending. I, I I wanted to try and figure out exactly what the details were of this 2021 pick swap pending. because it, it kind of makes a difference whether the Knicks mm-hmm. can swap the Dallas pick for the Clippers pick or only their own. Because obviously if you're looking at it as the Knicks pick next season versus the, the, the Clippers pick next season, well, it's, it's pretty obvious that that's probably not going to do much good for you, whereas Dallas potentially could be, you know, ahead of the Clippers in the standings if something, you know, if, if the Clippers have some injuries or that sort of thing, or Dallas just takes a leap. So it'd be a slightly better trade in that case, but it's somewhere between a B-plus and an A-minus for me. Yeah, I will say this. The Knicks now have seven first-round picks in the next four drafts. I don't know if that – are you excited about that? Anybody? Is anybody excited about four? It's better than not having him. <laughs> Thank you. Good analysis. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I'm here for. Uh, how do you think uh, Morris, Kevin, how do you think Morris fits in with what the Clippers want? Uh, there's been some reports. I wish I could. I lost track. Yeah, I think, I think he's, they, he's a great fit. I thought he would fit very well with start. either okay. of the L.A. teams. You know, uh, so it seemed to be uh, we've had these ongoing battles between the Clippers and the Lakers last summer for Kawhi. At some point here, probably for Darren Collison in the buyout market, uh, assuming he's going to play. I, I understand Matt Barnes broke some news about that on the jump earlier, and uh, then you know, presumably at some point in May or June, we're actually going to see these two teams get to square off on the court in games that matter in the playoffs. So that'll be interesting. But you know, I, the Clippers had they they had a, a good group a deep group, but if you're looking at like their best five players, I still think they could have used a little of an upgrade. Same thing with the Lakers, and Morris fits into both of those units so well because you can switch with him defensively. He can defend a variety of different players. You know, quality outside shooter, probably not the 44% out three-point shooter that we've seen so far in New York, but definitely a very not going to be the shooter and a more dangerous one than Harkless. Also yeah. not going to be the 19-point-a-game score or whatever. Uh, Kevin, no, no, I think that's safe to say, given they've already got, what, four guys averaging 19 a night? Andrew just said something to me, but I missed it. So I'll have to say it again. The Clippers grade. I want to know the Clippers grade. Oh, Andrew wants to know the Clippers grade. <laughs> oh, I told you it was between an A- minus and a B plus. A- minus and a B plus. Is that good enough, plus. Andrew Hahn? Uh, not for Asian parents, no. Uh, <laughs> um, that's a big spread. Um, that's the thing, Rachel. I mean, uh, this wasn't just about the Clippers making the move. It was obviously about keeping away from the Lakers and... You know, there's been some reporting. I think Ramona reported that the uh, the Knicks were asking about Danny Green. I mean, and that's too high. Kyle Kuzma, and Danny Green. Well, and they didn't make the deal. Yeah. And it's when they compare the offers. Remember, it's not just that they're like trying to screw the Lakers over. It's that there's not much to trade for. Right. Which goes back to the Anthony Davis trade. You man, you just. Well, this is like you with other with other things I won't bring up right now because I don't want to go into it. Should we talk about the MVP? Well, again, what I said was if they had just traded one fewer first-round Okay, pick, but do you think that was available? 
Do you think that Rob Polinka had the Anthony I Davis? Don't want to it. I'm I don't... just saying that you think he had the Anthony Davis trade package in front of him, and that Gr- David Griffin said, "Hey, you could do one last pick, or give me one extra pick." And no. Rob said, "Oh, throw! I'll throw in the extra pick. I pick. I like you." No, that. this is what it took to get the deal done. And if you're going to sit here and tell me that Anthony Davis wasn't worth it, you haven't watched the Lakers this year. Of course, Anthony Davis was worth it. So but there it you was go. One to one. Look, there's mistakes a... that have been made prior to that moment. That okay. left them in the well, position anyway, of the not point, having those assets. The point is, the Lakers are short on assets, and today it showed up. And yes. It, and it could show up again in the summer, maybe, maybe not. But today it showed up. Will it cost them? Maybe it won't. But Look, they wanted Marcus Morris. If when LeBron James signed as a free agent, they have managed to also sign Paul George as a free agent, then no, Anthony Davis would never be here, but all of those assets would be there, and you would still have two elite top ten players on this team. All sorts of things dominoed into where we got, but once Rob Polinka was where he was and able to make the AD deal, I would still make that deal, even if it left left them a day late and a dollar short when it came to today at Marcus Morris. All right, well, the sports books did not change immediately they did not change the odds the clipper they felt that that trade did not affect the clippers odds andrew han feels differently i'm sure <laughs> um i was going to say that last night was was Kawhi leonard bobblehead night and andrew was very eager to get his hands on a bobble he says he says move on to the next topic <laughs> um anyway uh, what was the expression on Kawhi leonard's bobblehead's face i didn't actually see it i just handed it over did it make a noise like did it make the Kawhi leonard laugh when you did the thing <laughs> would be awesome if it said what it do uh that like would be pretty great out of his mouth um the, the 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 trade today that uh was a real stunner um because while the russell trade caught us off guard it had been talked about for a long time andre drummond to the Cavs. For two expiring contracts, John Henson and Brandon Knight, those were just fillers in the deal. And the lesser of two 2023 second-round picks that the Cavs have. Um, here's what I want to know, Kevin. What do you think the Cavs' opening offer was? If this was the offer that they gave, the lesser of two picks in 20, two second-round picks in 2023, what would the Cavs' opening offer? Um, what, were, what were your grades... Uh, on this deal, I, you know, I haven't done my grades yet on this one. Those are still pending. But uh, I don't like the pending, pending, pending what, nonsense. What you want the man to do? There was like two hundred transactions today, and you asked him to do a podcast five minutes after the trade deadline. What are you, his agent? I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe Rachel should be my agent. Actually, I, I think probably feels like a B for the Cavaliers. Maybe somewhere in the range of a B minus for Detroit. I mean, you know, from the Pistons' standpoint, it just seems like they were like. Look, we weren't going to re-sign this guy this summer, assuming he opted out of his contract, and maybe they actually wanted to get rid of the possibility that he was going to pick up that player option and come back. Like they were really ready to move on. Because if you're, as you say, if you end up with the worst of two second round picks in 2023, it means the first offer probably was, "Hey, we're just going to give you expiring contracts for Andre Drummond, nothing else." And you know. Once the the price gets to that point from Cleveland, I mean, hey, why not? I mean, you get a couple months to look at him before you potentially have to decide. Uh, they've got enough cap space that, you know, I don't think this is really going to dramatically alter their plans going forward. I, I'm very curious to see how the Andre Drummond, Kevin Love front court fits together. I don't have a good feel for that yet as I sort of picture it in my mind. I don't know about you guys. Well, I, Rachel, Drummond was very upset about this. And I was going to say, you, you, you want to read the tweet? If you have it, I would just say you are always somebody who is very cognizant of 
the way players see things that we we tend to, to to miss out on that. Well, I mean, I just think this is one of those things where you have fans say, "Oh, it's a business," but then you know it is or isn't a business when LeBron moves on or Kevin Durant moves on. That's one side of the coin, and I think kind of both fans and players have been a little bit more educated on how much of a business it really is. And players, by the way, they know what's a business. It's not like they don't know what's a business. But I do think that we kind of forget what is asked of these players, even within the context of it's a business. Because you cannot win a title, and I know the Pistons were not contending for a title, but you can't even win games. If you don't buy in as a player to a certain extent, if you don't have loyalty and trust and that brotherhood with the guys in your locker room, that real emotional buy-in, not just the physical buy-in. And then there is the physical buy-in. You are asked to literally Bleed for these teams. Put your body physically on the line. That's not just an expression. So there is this inherent push-pull in sports where we can say to anyone, ah, it's a business, you should know better. But we ask them to do things that you do not do in the normal course of business. You or I, Brian, are not asked by ESPN to physically, you know, tear up our knees or bleed on the court or, or engage. I also don't have a $27 million contract option, but, you know, your the, point is the, well taken. The point is that it's complicated. It's not cut and dry. It would be nice if it was just like, hey, it's a business whatever. It's not. And this is what Andre Drummond said today. He tweeted after the trade. He said, if there's one thing I learned about the NBA, there's no friends or loyalty. I've given my heart and soul to the Pistons. And to have this happen with no heads up makes me realize even more, this is just a business. I love you, Detroit. Yeah, I think Kevin kind of hit it on the head when he said they were what they were basically trading wasn't Andre Drummond. They were trading the fear that Andre Drummond was going to pick up his $28 million contract option. Well, was it Kyle Korver who was traded for what turned into a copying machine? I mean, I I'm mean, not, I'm not, that's not a joke. That's correct, right? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, but like, this is the equivalent of, of trading, uh, Drummond for like bus fare from Detroit <laughs> to Cleveland because it's, it's essentially the same amount for a guy who's been a two time all-star. And Frank, and frankly, right now, this very second, mm-hmm. I believe is leading the NBA in rebounding. Yes. <laughs> They traded him for a, a, a second round pick three years from now, the lesser of two seconds. Um, so I do like, by the way, for the Cavs at this price. Why not? I, for sure. And if he, the way, here's the way the Cavs looking at it. They, they were faced with having about 25, 28 million in cap space this summer. If Andre Drummond picks up the contract option. Are you saying that it's not a free agent mecca, you know, Brian Windhorst? That I is think, your hometown. I think this is uh, essentially their free agent move if he picks it up and they're okay with that. Now, the interesting thing is Tristan Thompson. So a number of centers got traded this week, Kevin. Dwayne Dedman, Clint Capella, Andre Drummond. Who am I forgetting? Um, Alex Len. There was a handful of centers traded this week. None of them were Tristan Thompson. And that left Tristan Thompson sort of out in the cold. He's going to lose his his starting job here, probably the lion's share of his minutes, because the Cavs are going to want to play Drummond a lot to see how it goes. He already had contract talks break down with the Cavs. So the the idea that he's going to re-sign with the Cavs this summer is is pretty bleak at the moment. Things could change, but it's pretty bleak at the moment because he turned down an offer that they made. But already his agent, Rich Paul, and Tristan have decided he will not seek a buyout. Um, and so that means the Boston Celtics, who would d- die for him, the L.A. Clippers, who I think, who would be interested in him, not going to get him. Um, I don't understand this. The reason here's the reason why because Tristan believes, and his his agents believe that this summer there will be sign and trade opportunities for him. And the Cavs, quite frankly, 
as long as they can put up with Tristan potentially being upset there, and you know Tristan has sat the last two games. He's been—I will say that—he's been a good soldier. He has this been, year. but he's also had moments. Yeah. As long as they're okay with him hanging around and potentially being frustrated, it behooves them because they potentially could tr- sign and trade him in the summer. Right, but you're saying that from Rich and Tristan's side, they don't want the buyout. They don't because they still think he can get more money. You know, if he, if he, how if much he, money has Tristan Thompson made in his career? Well, he's made probably about ninety million. Okay, I mean, I understand there may be alimony payments here going on, but come on, at this point, at this nice pop culture reference. At this point, <laughs> I'm so proud of you that you got that. Um, at this point in his career, with the amount of money he has made, and really, it has not been a good scene in Cleveland for the last year and a half or however long since the big transition, right? Veterans told one thing after LeBron left, Ty Lue leaving, everything that has happened there. To then maybe go to Boston, a team that appears to want him, where he will still, it's not like he's going to work for free. There's still going to be money that he gets from the Cavs buying out, money coming in. I mean, this doesn't make sense to me, to be a part of a team that's a good, positive locker room and a good situation All and a playoff run that the, the, where the, he would be valuable and possibly boost his value. You, you think in terms of a sign and trade for another team, if he just sits on the bench for the next three months, that's Kevin, better for him? Kevin, what do you think uh, his – you know, I could be wrong. This is why I'm not an agent. Forget but. about forget about the actual cap space that's out there, which is dwindling. Some of these moves are dwindling it. What do you think Tristan Thompson's open market value is next summer? Boy, it's so tough to say. I mean, you know, he's probably going to be one of those guys who maybe he's a little bit more than the mid-level, but then, you know, not that many teams have more than the mid-level, so how do you kind of create the leverage to make that deal? But, uh, I don't know, I guess are you thinking something like, you know, maybe if the Clippers are willing to trade Zubach and assign and trade for him next summer, that, that sort of a deal could work for Well, Cleveland I think if you look at uh, Jonas Valanciunas got three years and $45 million last year. Yeah. What did Dwight Powell sign for? Uh, somewhere in the same. Well, the 13 or, or about uh, 12 million a season, right? Okay, so somewhere in that range, I think. Now, Tristan may believe more. Uh, 11, I should say. So somewhere in the 11 to 15 range, I would think. You know, the mid level is about 9 million. So, um, anyway, he's not good. But I will say this the buyout deadline is March 1st. So now a bunch of that is being taken up by the All Star break, but there is time here where they could reverse that, although I guess is that they won't. Been an exciting week here in Los Angeles. Lakers have had two big national television games. Clippers had a big national television game. A uh, lot of excitement, a lot of demand. All these games here in LA are going to be big. And obviously, coming down the stretch of the basketball season, we've got conference tournaments, March Madness, races towards the playoffs in the NBA, and then of course NBA playoff games. A lot of opportunities to see great games. Game I went to last night, we saw the LA Clippers set a team record for three-pointers. The fans were totally into it. And if you want to be a part of that, if you want to be in the stands for these major games and have these long, you know, lasting memories, the place you need to go is to Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online ticket event marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. Our listeners can watch their favorite teams and their artists perform in person and earn credit back on all purchases made through the Vivid Seats app via the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Vivid Seats helps fans find seats to any of their favorite live events, including sports, of course, concerts, theater, and more, all through that Vivid Seats app. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience. 
as well as that in-app loyalty program, David Seeds Rewards. With statuses ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer, customers can earn from 10% up to 16% credit on all their purchases through the app. That's a good frequent user uh, deal. For, let me tell you that. So to get it, you go to the App Store or Google Play, you download the Vivid Seats app, and you're automatically enrolled in the Rewards Loyalty Program. And this is what's most important. All Vivid Seats are confirmed, and they're backed by 100% guarantee. Enter the promo code ESPN25, that's ESPN25, for 10% off your next order at Vivid Seats. In terms of contenders making moves, Kevin, the 76ers um, acquired two players, didn't give up much, three second-round picks that didn't look like they have high value for Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III. Um, I'd like to get your viewpoint on, on, on that deal, considering they didn't give up much, but uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's maybe not kind of the big dramatic move that you were expecting, uh, you know, especially given the fact that the, the Sixers seem to be having the most turbulent lead up to the trade deadline, I guess, of any, uh, any contender at this point, you know, with some, some losses, some, uh, locker room, you know, players only meetings, that sort of thing. Uh, they didn't dramatically change the fit, but I, I like the move for them. Uh, one of the challenges they had is the difficulty of just trading managing salary because outside of their starting five, nobody else was making more than 4.8 million. So you either have to, you know, trade Mike Scott, who's playing an important role for them off the bench himself or in packaging with some other guys to get a, a, a sizable contract in return or, you know, do something like this where they were able to take both Burks and Glenn Robinson in without having to send anything back to the Warriors because they're both on one-year contracts for the minimum. And, you know, I think people thought this was a Derrick Rose destination. I actually kind of thought that made some sense. But, you know, you look at it, Burks are playing almost as well as Derrick Rose this season. It seems hard to believe, but he's had an excellent year, and I think he's a slightly better fit because not only can he be that on-ball creator uh, that Rose obviously provides for you, he also is a threat as a shooter. He's shooting, you know, I think 37% from three on reasonable volume this year. So, you know, if he's spotty up alongside Ben Simmons, then that works too. Or maybe it's, you know, using him and Simmons in pick and roll since that's something they haven't been able to do much. Use Simmons is the screen setter in pick and roll rolling to the hoop. So opens up some options. Glenn Robinson gives them more depth on the wing, too. He's shooting the ball quite well from 340% this season. So they did add some shooting, and uh, it, like you said, the price was right. None of these second-round picks were very good, and they had a ton of second-round picks already coming. Two small things. I was surprised that Dallas didn't do anything, even though they had Courtney Lee's expiring contract and a $12 million trade exception or something like that. Uh, surprised they didn't do down anything. To, down to like nine million, they they ten million because they took Collie Stein into a BS. That's correct. Okay, I apologize. Um, surprised they didn't do anything. Also, I thought, um, and I don't know, maybe you haven't gotten to this uh, grade yet. Um, I thought an under the radar good move, not that I think it's going to be that impactful, was uh, the Nuggets picking up Jordan McRae from the Wizards. Um, they traded Shabazz Napier. They already had too many point guards. McRae is a can is a flash score. He can get really, really hot. There are some nights where he kills you at the defensive end. You might as well just yank him out of the game. But there are other. I could see him having a flash moment or two in the postseason. Did you have a viewpoint on that? I feel the same way. I think that you know they they gave up two guys 
Malik Beasley and Juancho Aaron Gomez in that trade to get a first-round pick from uh, Houston's first-round pick as part of that four-team deal. And you figured something else was coming if they traded both of those guys because they've had a lot of injuries lately. Gary Harris has missed time. And Beasley and Aaron Gomez, even if they aren't, is important now with the emergence of Michael Porter, still important uh, you know, insurance for them in case of injuries. So McCray, I think, fills a somewhat similar role for them. And, you know, yeah, if, if called upon, I think he can be quite productive there. Any other move that you thought was really interesting today? I'm still trying to remember all of them. I think it's Kevin um, Wilson. <laughs> so it trade deadline day broke up. Kevin Pelton. Yeah, I know. He's worn it out. Did. It did a little bit. Uh, the Clippers opening up two spots, I thought, on the roster was pretty interesting. Uh, that made me think that you know they, they were looking at a Thompson buyout. But you've got the Darren Collison race coming, and then who else might they be interested in picking up since they're apparently not going to keep Isaiah Thomas from that trade? Um, Rachel, what what will you remember about today? I will remember that Amino Hassan tried to sabotage my trade crank, but preparation is the key to everything. What about in the John NBA? John wouldn't like. <laughs> uh, what <were> you <laughs> um, what's more important? No, I'm kidding. Right. Um, look, I think this is going to be the table setter for the NBA for the rest of the year. I, we got very spoiled last summer with 2019 free agency. You know, such a high percentage of the league, not just the stars, but such a high percentage of the league signed new contracts and switched teams. And it's just not prepping everyone. It is not going to be like that this summer. Um, so this was the day. This, this was the day that sort of set the table for a lot of things. I think we will see another round of trades this summer, but not, again, not, not to the degree of free agency movement that we saw the summer before. So this is it. This is kind of what we're looking at in the NBA for the foreseeable future. And then 2021, 21, I just want to caution everyone. It's not just about Giannis Antetokounmpo. Milwaukee could very, very well keep him. That's certainly the goal there, and and nobody's looking for them not to. But there's so many other free agents who will also be available then. Paul George can opt out. Kawhi Leonard can opt out. LeBron James can become available. Victor Oladipo is an unrestricted free agent. I think he's going to be a huge target if he recovers from his injury the way we expect him to. So I just think today is going to be what set the table for the next year and a half. And then in a year and a half, it's all everyone's going to change musical chairs again. I think uh, Minnesota had a really good two days. They've had a really bad three months. Well, they've had a really bad. When, what year did did Garnett get traded? Oh, I thought you were going to say what year did they last win a game with Carl Anthony Towns? That was uh, the last thing before this past it was 2019. That's right. <laughs> I think they had a really good deadline, although it doesn't really impact the uh, the race. Um, I think the Clippers have to feel good about themselves because I do think that they improved themselves for sure. Um, so. We'll see. Uh, a lot more to talk about coming up. Uh, we're going to take a breath. There's a game here tonight, a Lakers-Rockets game. I love this because we get to see right away if the new Small strategy ball. of the Houston Rockets is going to work. The question is, how will it stand up to teams like the Lakers, Nuggets, and Jazz? Right. And here they are, here day one against the L.A. Lakers. I'm sure P.J. Tucker's looking forward to tonight. All right, thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thanks to Rachel. Thanks to the machine. The machine needs to go recharge, get some oil. Rachel needs to get something better than instant ramen noodles. And Andrew Hahn, he's just very excited about the Clippers. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.